0: Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. This is me, Steffi Cohen and Hayden Bo. And today we have the absolute pleasure of sitting down with Rachel Bennett. Rachel is from Boston in the area of Massachusetts. She is a mindset coach. She is a contributor to Breaking Muscle and to Morning Chalk Up and the founder of The Forged Life, a website that's devoted to actionable philosophy. Today we talk about mindset specifically, the challenges of being an elite competitor, the importance of spending time, devoting time to developing your mindset, your strength, mental fortitude, callousing your mind, um, how to deal with self-doubt, with fear, how to
1: focus on being process oriented, which is a common theme. Uh, that you hear a lot from professionals in that space, but she had her own uh, take on that which that I thought was very interesting.
0: And journaling, how to journal, the benefits of journaling.
1: How to overcome the inability to journal. We were talking about how I probably have 10 notebooks where I filled up the first three pages, uh, super gung-ho that I was going to do it for the rest of my life, <laughs> and then just abandoned it. So, if you're one of those people, which you probably are, I know you. I know our listener. You
0: know who you are. You know who you are.
1: You can do better with your journaling. You
0: non-journaling person.
1: Yeah. So, this can definitely help you with that.
0: Okay. Um, Super interesting podcast. I mean, anything that's related to mindset, I always find absolutely fascinating. Um, I think, you know, everybody should spend some time working on their mind, on their brain. Because... Let's get it straight. We're all a little bit fucked up.
1: <laughs> hey, and your brain's going to last a lot longer than your body.
0: Yeah, ho- hopefully.
1: Well, yeah, hopefully.
0: Unless you lose your mind. Don't do that. Okay. Uh, as always, make sure that you tag us at Hybrid Unlimited for a chance to be entered to win some free Hybrid Legacy swag, which is the dopest swag of all. So if you want to get a free care package from yours truly, and your favorite brand, then uh, make sure you tag us and tell us what you enjoyed or what you learned about the episode.
1: This episode is brought to you by Stay Classy Meats. Stay Classy Meats curates quality specialty meat from small batch ranchers and processors across the Northern Rockies. Check them out at stayclassymeats.com and use code HYBRID in all caps to get 10% off. This podcast episode is also brought to you by BEAM. Beam is committed to producing high-quality, natural, innovative wellness products trusted by some of the world's top professional athletes. Beam creates products to support four main categories, balance, performance, recovery, and sleep. These products are combined of both CBD and non-CBD ingredients. By tapping into how we function biologically, CBD can work to regulate pain, mood, appetite, anxiety, and inflammation. As a Hybrid Unlimited listener, you get 15% off your order with code HYBRID in all caps. So check them out. That's BEAM and use code HYBRID in all caps for 15% off. That's it. Enjoy another episode of Hybrid Unlimited.
0: Um. Okay, it's going to be probably a little bit different of a podcast than, than uh, you're used to because the main goal is to have a silly goose time mm-hmm. in this podcast. We also want to cover some important topics, obviously, but... In the end of the day, I'm more interested in you as a person than anything else. Cool. So um, we don't know much about you, and I actually like that because this will make for an interesting conversation since we'll get to know each other during the podcast. So yeah. why don't you both give us and the listeners uh, an elevator pitch of who you are and what you do?
2: Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm Rachel. I'm the head coach at Mindset RX, and I've been coaching mindset uh, near full time for about two years now. and also a CrossFit coach, a certified level three trainer and, uh, was originally a competitive swimmer and found CrossFit when I was in my late twenties, uh, and, uh, fell in love with it because of the mental aspect. So moving into mindset coaching was kind of a natural progression
0: for me. What, um, what kind of qualifications do you have that kind of got you into mindset coaching?
2: Yeah, uh, you know, I I grew up with a traumatic background and uh, and came through abuse with post traumatic stress disorder. So, I have been working at mindset in some capacity since I was in my in my mid twenties or so. And then when I began coaching CrossFit and started seeing the mental aspects, I did a lot of research on my own. Uh, learning from people who have been there before, and the the when I first originally started officially coaching mindset, it wasn't with mindset It was on my own, and that's uh, right around when Tom created the MindsetRx coaching certification. So I learned how to coach through the mindset RX method at that time.
0: That's interesting. What um yeah. what exactly about CrossFit or the mindset for CrossFit? did you think was important to address or what do you guys focus on?
2: You know, I, I think that in CrossFit, it's really easy to note where people are self-sabotaging. There's so there's so many avenues for where that happens in a trained environment. People, you know, do it with their nutrition. They do it when they, you know, miss workouts that address their weaknesses. Uh, they do it when they uh, refuse to be coachable. And connecting with athletes and allowing them to see the benefits of diving into that mental side is how they get the physical results that they showed up to the gym for in the first place.
0: Yeah, I I think, I mean, I've always said it, I've been a competitive athlete my entire life pretty much, and... I acknowledge and I know how important mindset is. It's like a huge percentage, a huge part of the battle of day-to-day training and even of competition is being in control of your mind, right? Like having a positive attitude, um, you know, mental strength, callousing your mind, all these things. And it's interesting to me that like, and, I, and I've talked about this on the podcast, about how most, if not all, elite athletes will – tell you yeah you know 90% of my 90% of my sport is mental and then you ask him okay like what percent of the time do you spend working on that they always say zero
1: and you know what's interesting? <laughs> it's so I, I can't, interesting I can't remember who it was but we had somebody on the podcast and we asked that question and you and you posed that common response to them and they said oh well I just don't think I think I have a good handle on it I don't think it's something that I need to work on which is really interesting because if ever there's something you could go down a rabbit hole forever on it's like what's going on in your own head but and they don't apply that sort of thought process to anything else right like you look at a guy you know who, who's maybe top ten in CrossFit at the top of their game they're still working every day at CrossFit they're not just like oh I'm good I think I'm doing I'm doing pretty good I don't think I need to work on it anymore mm-hmm. but it's like do you know why or have you found any patterns as to why People sort of take that approach when it comes to mindset? I, th-
2: I think there's a couple of reasons, honestly. I think one of them is that a lot of people don't know how. So when we say work on mindset, a lot of people know that there are great books to read where you can learn a lot, right? And you read a book and you can understand principles and... And you can apply them to some extent, but it's not the same thing as having a daily practice, like the daily programming that you follow at the gym. Like people just don't know how to apply the lessons that they're being given. So I think that's part of it. The other half of it is that uh, it is way scarier to dive into the mental reasons that you have not been successful yet than it is to go make yourself do another training session and sweat really hard. Like it's so much more... Uh, challenging to the ego to like really look deep inside
1: for sure. And I, well, and actually I think you see uh, a lot of people, even at the high level who, who use training, fitness or sports as a coping mechanism to yeah. not deal with a lot of issues that they have mentally. Um, how do you see that presenting itself and how, how do you work around something like that? As a
2: coach. Mm, yeah. Uh, so you're asking, you know, people who, uh, like compensate for, um, what, what we would call, so we, we kind of put mindset on the same continuum that we put fitness. It's mental sickness, mental wellness, and mental fitness. So we kind of call this like the elite athlete side, the way that we would with physical training. And in the middle is where everybody stops. And that's what's normal. It's just like being mentally well enough to function in your day-to-day life, not to lose your job. So I think what you're asking is for people who use training as a coping mechanism to avoid the other things in their lives that are scary
1: is that is that your question Yeah, yeah definitely I'm interested how one how how you identify that as something that's occurring and then two how do you sort of you know the people who are doing that they've used fitness or sport as sort of like this safeguard this like kind of comfort zone where they don't have to worry about anything else so I could see like how it would be scary for somebody to for you to now be like, okay, well now we actually have to address all these things. And this, this thing that you've been using to protect yourself from yourself for all these years is now going to be something that you have to work on. And you're kind of bringing all of those uh, demons for lack of a better word into this like safe space.
2: Totally. So, you know, one of the things that we start with in our method is what we call testing. So we perform a lot of observation of the inner voice so which is another way of saying self-talk right we do this through journaling and we guide our athletes through specific prompts that help them understand what their recurring thought patterns are and what those point to in terms of their subconscious so what we would get to is someone who is using training as a coping mechanism is understanding what they're trying to cope from. And we get that through them talking about, you know, I'm afraid of people judging me, or um, I'm afraid I'll never reach my goals, so I go do another training session.
1: Mm-hmm. I, see. I
0: never know what to write when I'm journaling. Like I've literally never gone more than four days journaling. I have I have a notebook in my gym bag and a yeah. pen. And there's like <laughs> there's three days in a row from like 2017. <laughs> and then there's like, and then there's like two more from
1: 2019. I have like I have ten ten little notebooks so with like the first three pages used.
2: You buy you buy the new notebook and you're like, this is the new start. I'm going to do it. It's <laughs> happening. And it, you're totally right. It's really hard to know what to write about, which is why we do journaling programming. It's a, again, this is the same as showing up in the gym. If you don't know what exactly you need to be doing. It's just really hard to stay on
0: track. You guys give athletes your athletes prompts. Yes, mm-hmm. I think that would be super helpful if I had yeah. like something to write. So about. So you don't have to like pull it
1: out of nowhere. You can. I just don't know what's guided. relevant. Yeah. What? Yeah. So is the idea um, when you're journaling just to write about anything? Like that's the exercise is just like write what comes to mind, or yeah. or is it with these prompts more? More of a guided experience where you're trying to help them uncover certain things.
2: Mm, uh, great question. It's kind of a combination of both. We we encourage athletes to. Uh, if something is really weighing on them, because we we coach so many people that we always have someone who's you know experiencing an illness in their family or they've got an injury. So if they want to explore something very particular to them, then they kind of know how to do that. A really easy self-prompt for you guys just to get started is uh, if you're ever like, I want to write in this journal, but I don't know how, just start with the question, what's bothering me right now? And then just go with it. That's going to that's gonna almost always uncover something like pretty cool. But when it comes to our programming, we run through uh, what are called cycles. So now that we're in the competitive season for CrossFit, uh, we just finished up the open cycle. So it was very centered around competition and around uh, you know, specific things with recovery and making sure that athletes are you know, focused going into their workouts. Now, uh, they're more focused on a secondary part of the journaling process, which we call the direction review. And this is the second part of our method is what we call aiming up because it's not enough for us to just journal about the subconscious stories that have been holding us back we also have to replace them with something else we have to we have to find something else to devote our subconscious to and we do that through a vision uh, it's longer term than most people tend to think. We go two to three years in the future because it's long enough that it doesn't feel like you have to do everything right now, but it's short enough that it's not 10 years out and you can kind of be like, I can work on that later. So it creates a sense of uh, like urgency and intention as well.
1: Could, could you give me an example of something like that?
2: Mm, uh, like a, like a, like a uh, example of aiming up? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh man, I would love to. So uh, you know, an athlete who is, you know, in CrossFit just for like general physical preparedness, they just want to feel really good. They're aiming up is based very much on what their particular weaknesses are. And we we teach a concept in Mindset RX called bound nature and free nature. So we're born into free nature. It's an uninfluenced state, like a baby. They have personalities, but they don't really have beliefs yet. They just kind of have needs. They need to be changed, they need to be fed. As we grow up, we're exposed to experiences, to education. Um, Our environment creates belief systems. And it's those beliefs that can end up turning into non-serving stories that lead to what's known as bound nature. And a bound nature story points us to the action that we want to take. So as an example, if one of my bound natures is perfectionist, super common, perfectionism is one of the most common you know, belief systems that we see. If one of mine is a perfectionist, it believes that Uh, the only way to have a great training session is to do everything perfectly, then confronting that bound nature and the way I would set myself to aim up may be something like, uh, you know, my body isn't feeling good today. I can tell that what I need is to take it slow. So I'm going to purposefully take it slow instead of pushing myself to get 100% because that's what my bound nature thinks I need to do. That applies to that overtraining example that we made too.
1: Interesting. Because, yeah, yeah, I think... Well, just to touch on environment being like an influence of those bound natures, I think it's so common in sport, not only to kind of like arrive at that idea on your own, but it actually be really drilled into your head by coaches over and over again, wh- where you'll literally show up at the gym feeling like crap mm-hmm. and they'll tell you to push yourself, push through it. That's how you like, you know, And you see that with, with in like physical injuries, you see it with, with mindset a ton. Um, yeah. So it's, it's kind of interesting to hear the like the the counterpoint to that
0: it's such a difficult balance though because sometimes i go to the gym and i feel like i'm dragging ass and then i don't know if it's like physical like if if it's something i'm like okay i need to listen to my body or if it's my mind just playing tricks on me
1: yeah you know i struggle
0: with that so much especially now that i'm boxing because there's so many different things that you could be doing with powerlifting is like all right you come in you you know you put the bar on your back, and you're like, "Okay, I'm fried, like my central nervous system is actually just dead, it's overworked. Yeah. You can smell the burnt <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah you can you can smell it, but with boxing, it's like, I don't know, sometimes you get into the gym and like I don't know, you're a little bit uncoordinated, but there's always something that you can do, and in my mind, I'm like, okay like I'm, am I." Am I tired? Am I just feeling unmotivated? Am I like, f- am I physiologically burned out? Like, so what is it? I qu- don't know. It's question quiet. for you. For me? Then. Yeah, okay. because
1: you've definitely pushed through those points to the point where it's de- detrimental. Just as someone from the outside looking in, like for example, your body like a week and a half ago literally <laughs> just said nope, and you <laughs> slept for a day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you continually <laughs> pushed through that, and you were mm-hmm. it was physiologically exhausted yeah. yeah you know what i mean so looking back now do you are there warning signs that you can now be like if that starts happening again you can be like oh maybe i dial it back a bit today and you know today's like an rpe7 level of training or something like that
2: hey, telling it such good mindset coaching there wow that's hey, exactly man. right dude you're hired <laughs> um <laughs> that's it that's it and that's part of the benefit of journaling too is then you have that written record of. You know, how was I feeling a few days before? Was there a trigger that led to that sense of demotivation or is this my body? We do so much observation that eventually we're able to tell the difference. And yeah, it's it's, it's, it's cool. a process. So yeah. I feel like
1: the, the journaling then becomes not only sort of like a therapeutic exercise, but also becomes data that you can draw on. So in those scenarios, you can, you know, if you were journaling every day, maybe you notice a pattern. Oh, I woke up today and I felt groggy or I felt however, yeah. you know yeah it's the same with sort of like a like any sort of tracking uh method like remember hrt for training or not hrt sorry that's hormone replacement therapy (laughs) uh (laughs) hrv hrv (laughs) uh hurry variability for training the app they do something similar where it's not technically journaling but it sort of hits a lot of those data points and i found it helpful when i used it for a little while there
2: yeah, is it like like a physical check-in and mental check-in, emotional check-in kind of thing? Yeah,
1: and also just it kind of uh it kind of addresses all of the things that most people would probably, you know, have as sort of obstacles in their in their day or in their overall progress. So things like, you know, how many hours of sleep did I get today? And there's a little slider. Did I drink alcohol last night? Like mm-hmm. all of the sort of little things that would more on the physical side, but could maybe help you draw on why you're feeling a certain way mentally
0: yeah I mean the cool the cool thing about that app is that it combines the physiological with the mental so it asks you a lot of questions about sleep, stress, alcohol food etc and then it also has the data from your heart rate variability which like gives you a little bit of insight of the state of your nervous system
1: Yeah, well, what was interesting that I found about uh, using that in particular was that I sort of actually found all the benefit of it coming from the more journaling type things like, yeah. I didn't really care what my actual HRV score was,
0: mm-hmm. you know. You care a little bit. Huh? You care a little
1: bit. The competitiveness of me cares. Like, I always want a better score. It's like, maybe seen Jerry Seinfeld's bit where he's like, whenever you get an eye test or something, it's like, you just really want to kill it. Yeah. You're like trying so hard to see, but yeah. it's not really something you can control. Yeah. That's how, yeah, it, that's exactly. how I felt with the, HR, <laughs> the HRV score. Um, but I Yo, think Yeah, this guy would ask
0: me, what's your HRV today? <laughs> <Who> and, <won? laughs> and I'd be like you first and he'd be like 86 and I'm like, yeah, mine was 87 <laughs> loser.
1: Oh man. No. Yeah. But it, it, it is cool to see. Do you see something in, um, cause since you deal, do you deal mostly with CrossFit athletes?
2: Uh, mostly with functional fitness athletes. Yeah. We do have a few uh, Olympic weightlifters. We've had powerlifters and MMA fighters Uh, but, but mostly crossover with the functional fitness space.
0: What's, um, tell me what the process is like, like when someone, when someone walks in, let's say, let's say I'm, I signed up. Yeah. What's the process like?
2: So we usually have people start with us through our free ebook, which is the unleash your potential ebook. It introduces everything we, it's really important to us that this is accessible, uh, we want to provide world-class mindset coaching to every single functional fitness athlete. So that's where we'd have you start. If, uh, if you felt from there that receiving mindset coaching was the right choice for you, we have a great program. It's the mindset training camp. It's basically a six week intensive that introduces the pillars of mindset work. You receive coaching five days a week, journaling prompts, five days a week, training videos, uh, and it's a community as well. So there's also a lot of connection and then a lot of depth. So you learn how to journal. You learn how to look at your subconscious stories with a more uh, critical eye.
0: And the um, so the prompts and the training, is that one-on-one or is it like through a software or something like that?
2: Uh, Mindset Training Camp is through a – it's through – we use Kajabi as our kind of background thing. Yep. So training videos are kind of uploaded there. It's all automated but you receive daily coaching from a coach, uh, but it is also a group program. So everybody receives their daily personal coaching, but everyone's also uh, like posting to each other and, you know, encouraging each other too.
1: Interesting. So what what I find uh, interesting or what I see, like something that could be an obstacle for myself uh, is whenever I, and we deal with people in nutrition and training. So, Getting people to buy in is obviously an obstacle that we, uh, you know, run into often. And we've always sort of been uh, of the mindset of making like the smallest change that, uh, you know, least impacts your life that elicits a positive response. Yes. So when I hear uh, like you from the get go, you're kind of get coached to do like everyday journaling. It's to me sounds like a like an obstacle where it's very easy to. One, you just be overwhelmed or two, um, you miss a day on like day three and you're like, you just end up scrapping the whole thing. Do you guys run into,
2: (laughs) I'm so glad you brought that up. You just described all or nothing thinking, which is another big thing that we see in CrossFit and nutrition is a perfect example of it. I know that you have athletes who do this. They have like one off meal and they're like, fuck it. Yeah. Might as well be the whole day or the whole weekend or the whole week. And so having the coach there to kind of walk someone through, like I missed a day of journaling, I'm failing, and having them there to be like progress over perfection, missing a day doesn't mean that you failed the course. It just means that you missed a day. It doesn't mean anything, not everything means something, uh, is, is incredibly helpful. But again, you're not wrong. The intensive is called an intensive for a reason. It's a camp. Right. Like people are there to make Significant progress over the course of six weeks. So it's not the right fit for everyone, which is why we offer that free ebook. You can go through it at your own pace. We have a lot of free training videos. Uh, we pr- we provide a ton of uh, a ton of free content.
1: I think that's a good uh, weed out process. Also, it's like yeah. you know, uh, yeah. yeah, you sort of have to prove to yourself that you're willing to take the time to make the change by actually reading this free ebook, and then you know if you don't you know, have the sort of discipline or time to do that, then it doesn't make sense to pay for a service. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The intensive is, it is so effective and beautifully done. We're we're so proud of it and it's going so well, but the, uh, but the, the, what you mentioned before was minimum effective dose. We're Mm. huge fans. Like some people will sit down and be like, okay, in order to journal, right. I have to do it for 45 minutes to an hour a day. And, you know, we, the coaches are like, we don't do that. Like, that's terrible. Like, please don't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, Minimum effective dose for most people is somewhere around five minutes a day. You can see changes and see progress there. And that's the thing too, is the journaling is only a part of it. We have to be able to apply everything to outside of the journaling practice. Because if we're only journaling about the problems in our training, but we're not actually working, excuse me, to rewrite the story through action, then we're not going to get anywhere Mm -hmm. because you can't fake your way to confidence. You can't say, I'll definitely, you know, not, uh, not mess up my nutrition this time. You have to actually prove it to yourself. Mm -hmm. So you have to like do the thing that, you know, will build your confidence. Mm -hmm.
1: Is that sort of another minimum effective dose sort of thing where you like, I imagine you must be coaching people at least at the beginning to kind of set themselves up for small wins to help build momentum and things like that. 100%.
2: 100%. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, what we teach um, very early on is our version of a gratitude practice, which is called an AMWAP. It's as many wins as possible. Super mm-hmm. simple way to do it is just to set a two minute timer and you write down as many wins as you have throughout the day. We like for it to be process based. So, if you meet your water goal, if you meet your nutrition goals, uh, if you you know smiled that day because of something right whatever whatever makes you feel like you made progress that day and life is like good uh, that's like one way and then we tie the direction review by setting intentions usually about three because that's very manageable for most people to ha- make like three promises to themselves each day or each week and then they have a setup for wins later in the day.
1: I think that's so powerful because. Um, I don't know if you've read uh, Chasing Excellence by Ben Bergeron. For sure. but He has uh, – there's a part in that book where he talks about why it's sort of like a survival mechanism, why human beings focus on the negative so much. Um, you know, he oh, yeah. right? he's the example, I think, of like a saber-toothed tiger, right? If you run into a saber-toothed tiger, it's very important for you to remember that that was a negative experience because yeah. if you do it again, you're going to try to avoid that experience, right? So yes. when you have literally your physiology working against you to like focus on the negative a lot, I think it's yeah. super easy to get caught up in that. And a lot of people do. So I think that's why and I think people are coming around and realizing it now, too, because everywhere I look now, there's like gratitude practices, you know, that's I mean, it's something they've done in yoga for a really long time. But I think it's like, you know. Some people kind of thought it was kooky a few years ago, and it's yeah. moving more and more uh, mainstream, which I think is yeah. is cool.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Well, it's taking advantage of neuroplasticity. It literally rewires the brain to think more positively if you can just let yourself remember what went well that day and what you did.
1: Yeah, and it's so easy to forget. And you yeah. see it like with social media too. It's also just teaching us and reinforcing those, those sort of negative habits if you let it you can get a thousand positive comments and then someone says your physique looks like crap (laughs) and all of a sudden that's the only thing you can think about. So
2: that's the only one you'll remember. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah. But I think once, yeah. But once you understand, once you understand the, just the, the, the biology of our thoughts and our beliefs and why they get formed that way, I think it's a lot easier to let go of that. I can't remember like, because I was struggling with that, and and maybe it was that book or another book that we read about about exactly this. Like this was like years ago, and I and I that was when I finally was able to let go of, of the emotions that I was attaching to the negative comments that were coming in my Instagram or YouTube, whatever.
1: Yeah, it it's um it's interesting how empower empowering like a small realization like that can be because. Yeah. I, you went from literally caring so much that it would like ruin your day, yeah, to not caring at all, as if a switch was flipped, mm-hmm. which yeah. is is cool. It just shows the power of the mind once you figure those things out. Yeah,
0: totally. And I, I think also just how important it is to. Make sure that you're, that you're reminding yourself of the small wins of the day-to-day, especially as a competitive athlete because we're so critical of ourselves that, I mean, I do this all the time, that I only focus on the negatives of a session. And it's almost like I'm trying so hard to be objective and to be analytical and to be realistic, and I'm trying to, like, dissect everything that I'm doing so I can magnify whatever my weaknesses are so I can focus on them that you completely lose sight of the things that you're doing well and and can easily end up in this like really negative self-talk loop.
1: This episode is brought to you by Stay Classy Meats. Stay Classy Meats curates quality specialty meat from small batch ranchers and processors across the Northern Rockies. They are an athlete-focused meat company. Uh, Always, never, ever, no hormones, no antibiotics, They source from ranchers who are for the animals to free-range graze in low-stress environments on nutrient-rich regenerative grass. Montana is known for having very productive farmland, and the nutrient-rich grass consumed by the animals is passed on to us. They cater to athletes who require the best quality products to put in their bodies. Nutrition is the base of our existence. The better the quality of the inputs, the less stressed out our bodies will be, and the more efficient they will run. Quality, convenience, small batch, that's Stay Classy Meats. Check them out at stayclassymeats.com and use code HYBRID in all caps to get 10% off. This podcast episode is also brought to you by Beam. Beam is committed to producing high-quality, natural, innovative wellness products trusted by some of the world's top professional athletes. Beam creates products to support four main categories, balance, performance, recovery, and sleep. These products are combined of both CBD and non-CBD ingredients. By tapping into how we function biologically, CBD can work to regulate pain, mood, appetite, anxiety, and inflammation. As a hybrid unlimited listener, you get 15% off your order with code HYBRID in all caps. So check them out. That's BEAM and use code HYBRID in all caps for 15% off
0: i think that's when i start losing motivation when i get when i get too deep into my head and like i get too critical
1: yeah because
0: it is important it's a it's a very it's a balance it's a very fine line because you have to be you have to be introspective and you have to like dissect your training and your work and be like all right like i'm not doing X Y C right i need to double up on conditioning i need to practice more my hooks whatever it is right uh-huh. but then i think you need to balance that out with like okay what are the things that i did right today Okay, I sh- yeah. showed up to training on time. I came with my bag prepared. I had a positive attitude. I didn't lash out on my trainer.
1: I, <laughs> I didn't lash out on my <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no worse.
2: Oh, you're so right. Like, it is so important for us to be willing to confront our weaknesses, but we can't use that confrontation as a way of like beating ourselves over the head.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I totally, I totally get it. And I think actually in strength sports and when i say strength sports i mean strongman crossfit olympic weightlifting powerlifting all the sports that are objective and number based it's super difficult because it's so easy to measure yourself against your best ever because your best ever is just a number you know so i've seen as a powerlifter myself and seeing you go through it it's so it's challenging even though you know like i'll tell myself you know, how you perform on the on the platform is, you know, a product of readiness that's expressed based on your entire training cycle yes. preparing you for that day. You know, so to obviously compare that day where you're completely primed to a random day in the beginning of your training cycle right. n- makes no sense. But we all do it and it, we all know that we're doing it. And it's so hard to remove yourself when you're when you're when you're in it. You know, you walk in, you're like, oh, my best squad is seven hundred pounds and five hundred felt heavy today. You're like, yeah. I know exactly why, but it still bothers me.
2: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well we're we're always looking for the story or the meaning behind what we're feeling, right? And that's that's again where that like sense of presence come from is knowing is knowing when it's the voice in our head that's questioning, Am I training hard enough? am i actually like not very good have i lost fitness is a really big one that will come across the um yeah the the numbers based it makes it so easy to focus on the results of every training session because so much is done in percentages right mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah it's tough it's what what would you recommend to someone like me who's going to go get upset every training cycle for the first 5 weeks
2: <laughs> okay <laughs> so, what I recommend is a a method of focusing on the process, which is to define success not by how, not by the specific numbers lifted or uh, the results. Um, maybe even not like this. Sh- this has to feel light in order for me to be making progress. Uh, but to define success through the process that you're undergoing. So. A lot of like self coaching happens here, especially within the session. For example, if one of my athletes has a squat session and they tend to define success on like whether or not they, you know, execute all of those perfectly, it's no, like what's something that you're working on with your squat? Is it like making sure you're driving from the heels or coming up chest first? If you focus on that, you'll get better. And if you focus on that, you also set yourself up to have those wins. So define success based on process, not on results.
1: Interesting. <laughs> you, you actually did a really good job with that in weightlifting where yeah. you, you cared about movement quality. So you would just, you didn't care what the weight was. I remember you saying that for a long time. Uh, yeah. But you would then be upset if you didn't feel crisp or whatever. But uh, I think that's a better way.
0: Yeah, I think it's a combination, right? Like, I think it's important to have, like, um, quantitative measurements and qualitative yes. measurements. And then everything yeah. in between. Like, how like how was your mindset? Like, what did you, you know, was your gym bag organized? Like, all of those little things that, that matter in the grand scheme of things. How yes. was your sleep? How, how did you talk to your training partners? Like, did you get frustrated when you missed the lift? What did you change from last time? Were you able to like? There's just so many other things that you can think about when it comes to viewing your progress in different ways. So many ways.
1: Mm-hmm. So. Being process oriented with is something that I hear repeated by almost all professionals in, in the competitive space. Yeah. Um, and I I th- I think it's although hard to do, it's sort of to me it it feels like you're working backwards from. An outcome in a way where you're like, to get to this outcome, this is the process that I need to go through. So as long as I'm now each day coming in and chipping away at that day's part of the process, Mm -hmm. you can't not, you know, have a positive outcome of some sort in the end.
0: Going back to what you were saying about the all or all or nothing mentality, we were actually I was actually just talking to a friend of mine yesterday about that. She was saying that um, because she struggles a lot with gaining weight, she's very skinny. And yeah. she feels really insecure about her body, and she's like, "Man, like I went four days eating twenty-eight hundred calories, like I was crushing it, and then uh, I, I got into an argument with my husband, and you know I fell off the off the wagon. And it's been three days I haven't hit my macros. Like I feel like a failure. I feel like I can never do anything wrong. That to me sounds so exhausting. This is this coming from?" I mean, I consider, really, this is not tooting my own horn. I mean, it kind of is, but whatever. (laughs) Um, I consider myself one of the most consistent people that I know. And, Mm -hmm. and I also consider myself one of the laziest, most successful people that I know. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I say that is because like, I don't beat myself up over not doing something when I'm supposed to do it, because I'm able to look at the like the macro scale of just how many days, how many training days, days i'm going to have to do in order to reach my goals, how many hours i'm going to have to put in so yeah. i don't sweat when i don't hit my macros or if i go over my macros or if i have an extra beer or if i skip training or if i don't give my if, if i don't give 100% to a training session like that just sounds so exhausting and like people think that people think that what i do is hard. No, what they're yeah. doing is hard. Like that type of mentality sounds so exhausting. Having to be a hundred percent all the time. It's impossible. It's yeah. impossible. Nobody can do that.
2: Yes. Oh my gosh. You're a hundred percent right. And that's the trap with all or nothing thinking, which is honestly just a symptom of perfectionism. It's just the thought that if I did this perfectly, then I'd have the results I want. If I don't do it perfectly, I will not get the results I want. And a lot of it is tied to, is tied to linking the ability to be perfect or to do things perfectly with our self-worth. So what it sounds like, Steffi, is that you're able to look at that macro view that like, okay, I missed a day. Like, it's not a big deal. I'll just get back on it tomorrow. It sounds like that's that's not a problem for you. Mm-hmm. But someone who says, I have to be perfect in order to be worthy, they're going to immediately beat themselves up for missing a day. And it's reinforcing this old story that they have <laughs> about, a, about <laughs> not being perfect. Sorry, the dogs are having a little tip.
0: It's okay. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's it's really important to detach your self worth from from things that you can lose, like your fitness. Like yes. your your self worth needs to be tied to something that's more timeless.
1: Yeah, well, you you see your that. heart,
0: you as a person.
2: Yeah, <laughs> not not what you did for no. macros. That's exactly. ridiculous.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: For sure, but you even see it on. Um, Just people tying their identity to what they do for a living or what they, they, you know, the sport sport that they do. I mean, how how many times have you heard athletes who are like competing at a high level and their career ends? And then, you know, you hear them say, I didn't know who I was without football or, you know, I've all I've done is play hockey since I was four and now I don't have that. And I was, you know, so-and-so the hockey player. And now I'm just nothing, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. It's it's such a a common struggle, and you know when you think about it objectively, it does seem silly. Yeah. But you also invest so much time and energy and so much of yourself into these things that it's hard to not you know have them intertwined like that.
2: Uh, you know my my mom was a runner, and when her doctor told her that she couldn't run anymore. Long story. She could have run, but whatever. Um, when her doctor told her I couldn't run anymore, she cried for days about it. It was such a big part of her identity, and transitioning from competitive or elite level sports and, and retiring is a whole like it's a whole journey that people have to go through. Like it's it's exactly the question you ask, right? Who am I without football?
0: Right. Oh I'm
2: gonna I, I mean, yeah. need some yeah. Therapy. Finding that
0: is like a really interesting thing. I'm going to need so much therapy when I retire. I already know it.
1: Well, to your credit, you've yeah, been really... Don't
0: worry about it.
1: You've been good at just... <laughs> as long as you get to be competitive at... The, like, what is just an inherent trait of yours is being is being competitive. Yeah. So, it's like you yeah. can always find that. It doesn't have to be something physical. You you know? Yeah. You you'll yeah. maybe become a chess grandmaster, you know? Yeah. I always We'd have see. to have something
0: that I'm, like, trying to, I guess, be the you best always,
1: at. Yeah. You always need something to, ah, wor- to work, work towards that... Yeah. that you know, where you can see progress. And-
0: also, hold on, but going back to our conversation about perfectionism and, like, people getting frustrated if they miss a day or whatever, yeah. I think a lot of it also has to do with, I think social media doesn't help in that sense yeah. because, man, I've I've had the privilege of meeting some pretty badass athletes and what I'm most interested in, besides their training methods, is their their mental game. Like, how do they deal with, with daily failures? How do they deal with, like, losses? How do they deal with setbacks? How do they deal with injuries? Because, man, like, anybody can go to the gym and beat themselves up. Like, if you're an athlete, you can go in and you can endure some pain.
1: That's a prerequisite to competitive sports. Right.
0: Like, that's the lower like the lower barrier of entry is being able to, like, go into the gym and, like, push your body. But that's, yeah. like, that's the easy part. Yes. It's like what goes on between your two ears when, like, when you experience failures and setbacks. That's what I'm the most interested in. And it's like every single one of those athletes that I've met and I've been able to ask that question, they all like they all have their struggles. They all have like different techniques and different ways that they deal with it. But obviously, like what you're seeing on social media on YouTube is just their highlight reel, right? And you assume from the outside that that your favorite athlete or your whatever is 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 perfect has no flaws doesn't miss any training sessions is always at 100 percent, is always hitting pr is always feeling great in training and it just isn't the case i love so recently i posted something on my instagram about like how do you kind of like separate being a realist from being a pessimist like, how can you, like, say, all right, realistically, like, I'm not good at this. And how do you not sound pessimistic when you say that for yourself, right? And what yeah. you do with hard training sessions. And I loved Fernando's response. Did you read it?
1: Yeah, I can't remember.
0: You can't remember? Hold on. I'm going to pull it up because it was great.
1: For context, Fernando is uh, on the Brazilian national team in Olympic weightlifting. And he, ah, he's yes. going to uh, his third Olympics uh, in Tokyo this year. So I think he's got a great man, a great mindset. So,
0: so Fernando's been doing Olympic weightlifting for like what, sixteen years?
1: Tw- Twenty, I think. Twenty I'm years. Twenty.
0: Olympic weightlifting is the most monotonous, painful sport that exists. Like yeah. it doesn't get any more boring and painful than that. Seriously. Like, Bingo. yeah. <laughs> Jesus, you're just snatching and cleaning and jerking every single day, twice a day. And this guy, you're telling me he's gone through three Olympics. Going on to the fourth, man, just like the level of focus and just commitment, determination that this person has to have to just keep going is unfathomable for me. Because I did, I did weightlifting for four years, and honestly, like I don't, I don't know if I could have done it for much longer. Like the idea of doing it for twenty years, mm-hmm. like that's insane. So okay, this is this I is um 10,
1: twelve to twenty-two.
0: So my okay, this is what my post read. And all of a sudden it hit me, the reality that I'm 29 and at the bottom of the pit of a new sport that I may or may not succeed in, that I might never lift heavier than my heaviest lift, that there will be people around me who are not in it for the right reasons, that there is a possibility of coming short of my goals. I don't know if it's an age thing, but I've never doubted myself this much. It's a constant tug of war in my brain that gets deafening sometimes. So how do you guys separate being realistic from being negative when you assess the likelihood of succeeding at something? And Fernando said, when you're good, you train. When you're sad, you train. When you're feeling bad, you train. When you're happy, you train. Keep pushing every day like you do. We all have bad days, good days. Let's just keep moving forward. So it's, it's just so true because like think when you don't give yourself the option to not do something, when you, that's when habit truly becomes automated. Yeah. That's, that's where you build consistency, where, where it doesn't matter what your emotions and your feelings and your brain is telling you. Yeah. You just keep showing up, no matter what.
2: Great greatness requires consistency. It one hundred percent does. the um the idea of being uh, having that like no excuses mentality has a lot of application to pretty much everything we've talked about nutrition, uh, uh, training, elite level competition. your job is to get it done.
0: Exactly. Just to get it
2: done, and with mindset training, we help understand why it's not getting done. Like, what's the what's the thing that's getting in the way of what you need to be doing? Because everybody knows what they need to be doing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I think it's that, great. and I think that it's it's tough because you have to find that balance. Like, yeah, you need to come in every day and push but then you also have to do what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, whereas you have to find that middle ground of like, how hard do I push today? Right. It's yeah. the, it's the, the showing up part that's important to build the habits and, and all that stuff. Um, and I think there's actually a good piece of wisdom that I picked up from Jen Wiederstrom, huh? Yeah. And she was, uh, it was years ago. I heard her say this, uh, but they were talking about clients who struggled, you know, with, with motivation, getting into the gym, whatever and what she advised them to do was just to go. Like yeah. the biggest obstacle is overcoming the inertia of sitting at home doing nothing and being like, I'm gonna go do something. And that's she,
0: where the minimum effective dose comes in, in the two minute yeah. rule. Yes. Right, so,
1: exactly. you know, so oftentimes, you know, you, you think you feel like crap, you don't, you don't wanna go through the whole process of going to the gym, but if you make it mandatory for yourself to go, and even, she'd say, you know what, just go to the gym and walk on the treadmill for 10 minutes and if that's all you want to do, get in your car and go home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and she'd say ni- like 90% of her clients would end up doing the full workout. Yeah. Because once you're there totally. and you're bought in and you're like, oh, this isn't so bad, then maybe you do one exercise. Right, like, and, ah, and it, and it and you goes you, back you build to on that.
0: building the habit of going even when you don't want to go. Because it's yeah. so easy to go to the gym or chase your goals and your dreams when you're super driven and motivated. But it's really hard to to show up when you're not feeling like it. Like the perfect example was, I think it was last week or the week prior. Um, it wasn't one of my double day training sessions where I had sparring at night uh-huh. and it was like 3 p.m. I spar at 6 30 and I was feeling so tired. Like I knew deep inside that I wasn't going to be able to, it wasn't going to be my best sparring session. Yeah. So I had this conversation with myself. I'm like, I think I'm just going to cancel my spar. Yeah, 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 I'm just going to cancel it because what's the point? What's the point on going there? I'm not going to like, you know, I'm going to be all slow and like tired. And what's the point on doing anything if I'm not going to be the best that day? Like there's no point. And then I was like, you know what? It's way better for me to get that time inside the ring, even if it's just 15 minutes and do something. And even if it's like getting my ass beat, even if it's just standing (laughs) there and like.
2: You're going to need the experience. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
0: I'd way rather get those 15 minutes than get zero. So yeah. I went and yeah it wasn't the best sparring of my life but I got 15 minutes of training in you know and 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 I did something and then I felt good cuz I showed up even when I didn't want to you know. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a win. Yeah. yeah.
2: Just building that habit.
0: I have um I have a question for you like in terms of advice. I'm curious to see like what you would recommend from a professional standpoint. So, one of the things that in in I'm alluding to the that post that I just read, one of the things that I struggle with the most is just like I guess self-doubt. And obviously like it has to do with I am in the public eye, so there are going to be a lot of people who doubt what I'm doing and who criticize how I'm doing it and how I look and what I'm able to accomplish. So like, I don't know. It's so tough for me to, to not doubt myself, especially because of, of, I guess, like how late I'm coming into this new sport. Yeah. So it's like, how do I, how do, I, and, and it's not a matter of eliminating doubt. Cause I think having some doubt is, is useful. Same as like fear, right? Like you can use fear to your advantage pain to your advantage, doubt to your advantage, but like, what's a good strategy for me when I'm having those days where I'm just like highly doubting myself and my ability to, to do something with, with, within the sport?
2: Yeah. Uh, man, I love this question. I think that it applies to a lot of people just, just working out too. The, the thing I would recommend is under, is building understanding of where the doubt is coming from. So what I just heard in your particular example was how late you're coming into the sport. So is the, is the story you're telling yourself, I'm already at a disadvantage?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And is there another way to view that perspective of coming into the sport later but having other experiences
0: yeah I can see I can see it from both sides it could be either a disadvantage or an advantage I'm coming in fresh I don't have any concussions my brain's fine I've <sighs> I have a lifetime of like strength and athleticism that I've built it's not like I'm just getting out of my couch and like trying to fight um but then <laughs> yeah, it's like you're not starting from zero <laughs> right it's not from zero. But it's the, um, it's the ring experience what scares me the most. It's like I feel like I can rack up the hours, you know, and, and develop my skills to yeah. be up to par with anybody. But but I don't get those hours of experience unless I get those hours of experience.
1: But you've been doing it. You've kind of put your, your whole boxing training career in a pressure cooker. Like you're sparring three times a week, which is something like especially, you know, people who have been in it for a long time. Who who have had a lifetime of, of damage and trauma to their brain, they're yeah. they're dialing that way back. Yeah. So that's ground you can absolutely close because they're just trying not to get hit at mm-hmm. a certain point in their career. You know, and that you have the privilege of being able to walk in with a fully developed brain. You weren't getting punched in the head when you're you know ten years old, you know. And and now you can you can take a bit of a beating and build up those hours. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's that's a pretty cool advantage to have right now.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think too. It's really easy to um, get caught up in reassuring ourselves that we're okay. But I think what you said earlier, as you were describing this, that eliminating self-doubt isn't the goal and it's not the goal. Like self-doubt is a good thing. It's like Mm -hmm. a signal that we're doing something scary and that's what's awesome about it. So, so that self-doubt is just a signal that you're stepping into something that's going to like help you grow. And I think that's important to remember, but at the same time, we want to, we want to look at that story of, uh, you know, I'm coming into this too late to really like make it in the sport and rewrite it from a character perspective so if I, if you were my client, I would be asking you, like, think three years in the future, like, who are you becoming through engaging in this sport? Like, what, what qualities attracted you to it? Like, who do you think you're going to, like, be closer to as you get better and better at it?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Right? You have any ideas? Like,
2: who is always in mm-hmm. your control? You choose it, and you base your process of improvement on building those qualities of character. It's always in your control and always accessible. Mm-hmm. It's not about the result. It's about like you becoming this person that excites you. Mm-hmm.
1: That's so interesting. My dad actually said something similar when I was growing up. He was trying to, I guess, instill the what he felt were the correct reasons to work out and train. And he would always say like, don't, don't think about like training to look better. Think about training, training to build a body that can accomplish whatever the task is that you're looking to accomplish. And then the, the way that you will look is a byproduct of that. Mm -hmm. People who can do certain things look a certain way, you know what I mean? But it's not that, not the, the, the goal or the end all be all.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can't really like shop for your body. right Right. like click out the little like i'd like bigger deltoids please i know (laughs) like you can like to some extent a little bit but it's not
1: a it's not a yeah it's not not like on a video game where you can just move everything to max and the character creation
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Uh, i don't want to take too much of your time and we're coming up on an hour um so before i leave you where can people find you and how can people get involved with mindset rx Uh, people
2: can find us on Instagram at mindsetrxd. So M I N D S E T R X D. And that's where you can find the unleash your potential ebook, which is the easiest way to start getting involved with us. You can subscribe to our email newsletter that way, learn more about the programs that we offer both for athletes and for coaches. And, uh, we have a website too, but Instagram is like easier for everybody. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, thanks so much for your time.
0: Thank you so much. We appreciate you you being on. It was uh, so
2: great getting to chat with you guys. Thank you.
0: Likewise, if you're ever in Miami, please come visit us.
2: Oh, please. Oh my God, I would love it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, Rachel. Thank you so much.
2: Bye now. Bye, love.